What is up, everybody? It is the Make It Happen podcast with myself, Nolan Ulm. Super excited for this one. It's going to be an incredible one with Jerome Blake, fastest man by far to have came on the podcast. Super cool guy. And I'm um, just going to give you a little background from my kind of perspective. He, he uh, originally is from Buff Bay, Jamaica, and he came over to Canada in, in Kelowna, where I'm originally from. And, you know, I used to run track and I'm, I'm very good friends with his brother, but I used to go to the track for my own practice and I would come and Jerome would be running by himself repeats of hundreds, two hundreds. And it's burned in my brain of seeing this guy walk back, hands on his hips, just killing himself with nobody around. And it's just so incredible to see now. Um, for those of you who know, he recently won a gold medal at the world championships with a, a national record with the Canadian relay team and um, at the previous Olympics won a silver medal with them. So he's came from where I'm from, Kelowna, to the biggest stage on planet Earth for, for the peak of his sport. And it's just the beginning for him. He has a PB of 10.15 in the 100 and it's just going to it's going to continue to get lower and lower. And I really believe he's going to do incredible things. Another quick story about Jerome. I remember we were at, um, we're just one of our normal high, high school meets. And it was um, one of those, um, didn't really mean anything, but just to begin the season. And he was there. Um, and I remember he lined up against other guys that weren't even close to his ability. And these guys next to him were looking at him and they were shaking in their boots. And I just remember him saying, you're running a completely different race. Don't, don't worry about me. Um, and, you know, it just was really cool to see and hear from him that, you know, he wasn't always talented. He wasn't always striking the fear into people when he lined up against them. And I think it's just an incredible story. And I'm, I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this. With that being said, thank you guys so much for all the support. You continue to give me in the, with the podcast and please just give me reviews, feedback, what you guys want to see improved. I just want to make this the best I can for you guys. And let me know other guests you want to see and I'll do my best to get them on. I have a couple pretty good ones coming down the pipes, this one being one of those, and uh, I'm super excited for you guys to listen to. So with that being said, here is Jerome Blake. Jerome, just just talk about, so you're born in Jamaica, uh, Buff Bay, right? Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then your dad moves to England, correct? And then your mom comes to Canada. Just give me, and then everyone else just kind of, the synopsis on that and how it kind of happened, um, your journey to, to Kelowna. Okay. So, um, I'm, I don't remember exactly what year it is, but I know, but I know that it was months apart. Like my dad left in say, let's say January. And then my mom left in, in like March. So in this space of like three months, I didn't live with none of my parents anymore. Um, my dad got married moved to the UK with his new wife. My mom got a job in Canada, moved to Canada. So I, so it was like, it was me and my two brothers, my little brother. He was like, he was, it was probably, he wasn't even in grade one yet. He, he was in a like kindergarten still. And then um, I lived with, it was just me, my older brother, my little brother living together in, in the house that my parents lived in. And we did that for a while, but then, you know, because I mean, we're young, you know? So like, I don't think I was like 12 at the time, maybe younger than that. And um, my older brother was, um probably about 23 24 at the time so it was like crazy like we you know us kids like living by ourselves and shit so like it was actually kind of you know kind of a weird situation for us but we end up like 
moving to our to our grandparents. Um, I I went and lived with my mom's mom, and then my two brother my two my two other brothers went and lived with uh with our dad's mom. So we kind of got separated there. But like I knew where everybody was, and but I just so like I'm I'm a country kid, so I enjoy being in the country, like where everything's peaceful. You just do your thing, and like and I, and I just needed to be I just be around my cousins and stuff. So it was like it was more or less like a chance for me to find who I was, you know, because as, as a young kid, you don't, you never really understand who you are fully until, you know, you're around a bunch of people who look at you the same way, even though my parents were overseas and stuff like that, and they could give me whatever I wanted. I still wanted to find my way kind of thing. And I think that's one of the things that really, make me the person I am today because you know regardless of my situation I've always wanted to be you know as hard working as I can be you know sometimes like you know the first one and last one out kind of thing so I was always trying to set myself apart from everybody else and you know for me you know how some people are just born talented like I know a lot of people are just born talented like they can just wake up and just do it mm-hmm. like for me like I was not like that I was never born talented I wasn't like for a long time, like my high school coaches, even in Jamaica, like they, they, you know, they, they call me LBW. It's like, I got super long legs, but they don't really amount to nothing. Like I can't, I can't run as fast as everybody else. I can't do certain things that most people my age would do. So, you know, I, I feel like I was, you know, I, I didn't know how to fit in. So for me moving to Kelowna in 2013, you know, I feel like that was a blessing in disguise for me because it really put me in a, in a place where, I really needed to be, you know, away from everything. I had to put myself, well, you get thrown in an uncomfortable environment. Cause like, if you really look at it, look at it like this, right? Let's just do it like this. I think it's an easy way to do it. You take, say, you take a wild, like, I don't know, like, a, like some wild animal. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to put myself in the same situation as a wild animal. That's kind of weird. But you take a wild animal and then put him in a, put him in a cage. Like, what's going to happen? Like, it's going to, you know, like running around, running around. Once you realize it can't go anywhere, it's gonna lose its mind. You know, and get super depressed and down because it can't run as free as possible. It's the same thing like putting, you know, a jaguar in a cage. It can't stretch its legs, and it's like a bird in a cage. You can't really flap your wings and fly. You know, like for me, I grew up in an environment where everything is at your disposal. You can, you know, you can just get up and say, "Oh, I'm gonna go here." You can go do this, do kind of do whatever you want, and just be free and just do your thing. But moving to Kelowna, it put me in a spot where. You know, I really had to had to make new friends. I had to understand the culture. You know, I had to get used to winter, and and just and you know get used to you know the way people are there. So, you know, for me that really put me in a in a place where I, I think I really needed to be. So it just helped me understand what hard work is. And you know, meeting my first coach Pat, you know, and like she's like a you know to this day I said she's she's my third mom. I have three moms really. So it's just like, and all three of them as inputted like really they've all done a, a lot for me in different ways which made me make me the person i am today like i'm very successful at what i do but you'll never know because i never talk about it mm. never tell anyone i used to be walking on the road you'll never know who i am because i don't i don't, I don't walk around anything in my chest you know but at the end of the day like moving to Kelowna was was really good because you know it really teach me a lot a lot about myself as well as what hard work can really do for you mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. I uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that for you, I can I can't even imagine how tough that was, moving from a completely different culture and just what a culture shock for you, 
um, and, and having to adapt. And, you know, like you said, it really probably taught you some of the biggest lessons in your life in that period of time when you came over. Um, you talked a little bit about Coach Pat, which obviously I've seen, dude, I've, you have no many work, like I've seen so many workouts of you on the track running. And yeah, I see the dog mentality from a mile away. You had no one with you most of the time too. Like it's you and people that are not even close to your level. Yeah. You're just pushing, pushing, pushing. And I just want you to talk a little bit about that story about how you kind of got into track and how she kind of helped you. I think it's so cool what she did for you. Yeah. So, I mean, for me and Pat's story and our relationship is it's, you know, like it's, it's something that go down in history to this day, like whatever I do, she's a part of it. Whatever she does, I'm, I'm like, if I can help, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be a part of it. You know, um, we, we first met in 2013 at Bowl actually. And then, um, you know, she, she told me she's going to turn me into a sprinter. And I said, oh, well, you can try. I mean, we'll see how it's going to go. But <laughs> I'm not really sure how it's going to go. So, you know, we she told me if I just I just have to believe in the process of what we're going to do. And, and I was like, OK. And remember, she was telling me, you know, she she told me this from 2013, like the first day we met. She literally told me, you're not going to go to the 2016 Olympics, but I you're going to go to 2024. And I was like, I looked at her and said, ah you're crazy. Not, not even terrible as she is, but you know, it's just like somebody looking at you and telling you you have talent to do something. It's like, I don't know, like you telling some kid like that's nine years old, he's going to go to the NBA and he did it. So it's like, for me, it was like, I couldn't see it, which one of the things that coaches can really do, if it's a really good coach, they can tell you, you have the talent to do something before mm. do it. So they see it for you. So that's the one thing she did. She saw, that the potential I had to do something that I have no control over. So, you know, we met then and we spent a number of time, a lot of time, man. Just like, as you said, you see me at the track running all the time, but, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, they call it getting your she legs in a sense. So we, we spent a lot of time running and trying to, you know, understand my body a little bit more, get, get me a little bit stronger. And from there, you know, we try to take on as much, you know, as much, as much as, much as, as much as Canada as we could. You know, we try to take over as much as we could, man. I'm telling you, there's there's sometimes where we actually drove from Kelowna to Edmonton. We flew to uh, like Saskatchewan. We flew to Montreal, like Toronto. Like I think we went to Vegas. One, well, I think we went to I don't know. We went somewhere in the U.S. I think at one point to race and stuff. It's just you know just to get me enough you know exposure. And but the one thing that dampered all of that was it dampered the process, but I feel like it was for a reason. As a non-Canadian, you can't displace a Canadian from any track and field championship final. So even if I'd gone to like any Canadian championship, I couldn't make the finals because I'm mm. not Canadian. Yeah. Allow you to run. So I went, you know, going into the finals with the fifth fastest time. They put me in lane nine outside where, you know, you have really no chance to really, do anything out there because i mean back then like i would think like the far further outside lanes i'm like man that's so down like way out here i can't do nothing from out here but you know they put me out there and just say like we're just gonna let you run and even if you win you you still won't you get you know you still be disqualified so i was like okay whatever so i just never went to, to trials ever again after that because i was like i figured like i'm not gonna go until you know i know that i can make the team or i know i can you know actually you know make an impact so, you know, I was fortunate enough to get my citizenship in 2018. And, um, you know, she was there. Pat was there. You know, she she flew down for Canadian trials in Ottawa. And, 
you know, watching my first Canadian team. So we, we've come full circle from where we started in 2018, from 2013 to 2018, making my first Canadian team, you know. And, you know, she watched me grow up in a sense. And, you know, she she was she wasn't at trials, but she watched, you know, when while I make my first Olympic team and she watched me with my first medal as well. So and she came to World Championships early this year and watched me with my first gold medal. So wow. it was it was, you know, it was awesome to share, you know, that journey with her, you know, somebody seeing you grow up and watch you success. I mean, excel at something and achieve all this stuff that you have and them actually being a part of your journey and like watch you do it is to me, that's more powerful than, you know, winning a hundred gold medals and doing it by yourself with no one else to, uh, to you know, to share the story with. So yeah, that's, I, I'd, I'd rather do that over again for sure. That's incredible. So cool. I can't, I can only imagine the feeling that she had too when you win that gold medal this past summer. And uh, yeah, I was watching cause you know, Johnny, we were, we yeah. he was there. So yeah. Uh, I've been in talks with him, but every single time there's there's a race, I'm tuned in and I'm always seeing what your times are looking like and stuff. Because um, I saw it from the beginning. And I think the coolest thing you said when you were talking in the beginning, I really wasn't expecting this, was that, you know, you didn't have, you know, the immediate gifts. Obviously, you have incredible talent that you've had to work for and unleash, right? But I think a lot of people that know you, especially me, I thought you were just some freak of nature. And yeah. it's so cool to hear that. What's got you to there and it was what's going to get you to be in the 100 meter final in the olympics one day hard work, brother. Is, hard work. exactly that mindset so my question to you is where does that come from is it from um someone in your family or because it's different you know a lot of most people don't think like us you know it's an environment you grew up in so if you if you look at me you look at my, my little brother you know my little brother perfect example when my little brother just moved to Canada. I'll use him as the example just to show you. When he just moved to Canada, my little brother was, he was tall and he was a little bit chubby. And Pete McCall saw him and said, I want him to come play football because I played one year with Pete, terrible football player. And he said, he took my little brother from grade eight and he said, I'm going to train the best football player ever that come out of Rutland. And I was like, well, shit, sure, I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch the journey. And then two years later, he's one of the best football players, well, best running backs or whatever they call him. But he's one of the best at what he does. It just goes to show your environment molds you from when you're young. You know, even for you as well, like I've I've known about you, just seen the stuff that you're doing as well, like from and hear from a little brother as well. The thing is about it, people who want something really bad will work for it. People who get stuff handed to them don't really work as hard. They work hard, but there's a limit. When it gets hard, they don't push past that. Mm-hmm. I know there's two things that's going to get me out of my situation. I know there was only two things. Was either shit, like I go back to Jamaica and go work and do that and just hang out there because it's easy or stay here and grind and work really hard and, and just know my legs could get me very far. And I just believed in, you know, everything that I was doing is believed that I was talented enough to do it. So I just said, hey, you know what? Like if I if I put my nose down and just work as hard as I can and stay as silent as I can, you know, it's it's gonna work out. And then now a couple of years later, you know, I'm one of the fastest person in Canadian history and you know, still growing, I'm still fresh, still new to everything, still learning, still getting better. You know, even even this year, this is one of the things. Also, like I, I never even talked about. So this is 
this is going to be news to everybody. So when everybody hear this, they're all going to be like, well, like, what the hell? I joked about it all year, but, you know, I ran three months of the season training three or four or five days a week. Couldn't really train very hard. I had two fractures in my lower back right now. The pedic- One of the pedicle, my, my pedicle on my left side of my spine, spinal column, completely broke off. So running, if you ever had a back injury before, and then and then the the left side, the right side also have a contusion as well. Wow. On the same in the same area, so running, can you imagine like how painful that that is? Yeah. And I ran three months, the last three months of the season, five versus the world championships, leading up to world championships, Canadian trials, you know, other Diamond League meets, meets overseas. And everyone was like, oh, like Jerome's looking so good, but I don't understand. Like, it's like I have to fight my body, fight my mind to, to actually go out and compete. I remember at Worlds, I was taking, I would take so much ibuprofen. Like, when he, when he poked me like that, I probably couldn't feel it. I saw numb. I had to numb myself and mentally I had to do it as well to go compete because I was hurt. I was in so much pain. Like there's time, I like there's like walking out the track. It's like I want to cry right now because like just like or just turn around, and just go back, just don't even run. Because I was in so much pain, like I couldn't even like like I'll go down to to start and pushing off my legs are like like folding in my body, like I couldn't even do anything. So I had to like just let my adrenaline take over and run. And people, and, and nobody knew that. The only people that really know is my team, my coaches, and you know the team captain staff, and you know. One of the most important things that I've learned this year is mentally you can shut off and perform. And that's the one thing that I've learned how mentally tough I am when it comes to performing, if I'm hurting or if I'm going through something, you know, nobody knew that. And everyone is like, people are saying like, Oh, like, you know, Oh, Jerome, you know, is doing so well this year. And like, he's, you know, he's not living up to how well he was running. So for me, you know, it felt bad because I didn't want to talk about it because at the end of the day, like I've, with being an athlete, one of the things that people look at and people scrutinize a lot about is whenever you get hurt and you compete and you complain, you say something is wrong and everybody says, oh, that's just an excuse. So for me, I never said nothing. The only people that really know is the people that's close to me. They all understand what I was going through. They all knew what it is. And, you know, I just had to just, you know, keep going, just keep doing my thing and you know here i am now so good for you good for you man i can only imagine yeah i've had little back things but geez contusion and broke it like wow that's crazy um it makes me think of something else that i was really thinking about before we hopped on here too um and obviously with track it's such a build-up to these meets and it's a lot different than any other sport you don't have a match every weekend for four months you know you're you're training for for a lot of the year you know most of the year what do you tell yourself especially you know like people see the success now but I'm sure there was years Jerome where it it was and even when you couldn't couldn't compete because you didn't have your citizenship yet it's like you were you were patiently working you know I'm not going to say because you weren't waiting right you it's it's like you just have to keep yourself in the in in the mindset of it's coming it's coming how do you keep yourself in that mindset um just you just can't think about it too much because the thing is like as much as 
you have to perform physically, you have to perform mentally as well. Because if you're drained here, you can't perform physically. Mm. The most important thing about understanding performance is performance is two things in combined to make one is mental and physical performance. So you have to make sure you're firing in all cylinders in both ways. So for, for me, it's like you take it one day at a time, you know, week by week, day one day at a time. One, one thing our coach did, coach does too. You know, some some programs, they give you the whole, like the whole month, you know what you're doing for the entire month. And that's a, that's a regiment you stick by, you know. Some coaches coach off paper and great coaches coach off instincts. Uh. You look at an athlete, you can tell like, look, I have this workout draft up for this week or today. By just looking at them, you you know they're burnt out. So if you have like, you know, if somebody's tired, burnt out, right? And you got a technical day, you gotta go to technical blocks. Like, what do you what do you why are you training the body when you're tired to do technical stuff? When you're tired, you're gonna do technical stuff wrong. It's gonna create bad memories because technical stuff is the most important thing because that's how you get better at what you do. So you have to make sure you focus on the techniques. So if you're if you're training technical shit when you're tired, you're only gonna train bad technique. So at the end of the day, like great coaches recognize that kind of stuff. And if, if the athlete is, you know, in a very bad, bad way, you know, you change the workout up. So that's one of the things that I would say attests to, you know, the person I am and the people I have around me is just like, people understand your body and they understand what you want, they want, they want to do. So if they understand that, then everything just works and just flows easy. It's, you know, it's, it's a two-way street. So I think really, in reality, the, the situation that got me the most attention out of it all, I would definitely say was Canada Games. So you, you know what Canada Games is at all? No, I'm not super familiar with it, no. Okay, so Canada Games is basically like the mini, it's, it's like a mini Olympics, but just for Canada. Okay. So it's a, it's a multi-sport games held over two weeks. So there's two different weeks. There's phase one, phase two. And there is, you know, some multi-sport games just like the Olympics, but except it's just all sports in Canada. And going to Canada Games, Andre Grass went and he had the record. So when I went, like in the heats, I ran faster than what he ran in the heats. When he went, when he, he won Canada Games. But I ran when I run it, I slowed down like 30 meters out when I did it. Just when everyone was like, oh, my goodness, like, who's this guy? So then that's what it was on TSN. And then the people from Team Canada actually flew up there to watch me run after they saw that. Like the next day, they, they were all there. Like all the NSOs, the, the head coach wasn't there, but a couple of the representatives were there just to watch us compete. And then from there, really, I got into the national team system from there. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. That is really cool. What's uh Talk a little bit about what that experience has been like on that four by one team and, and things that you've learned being around those guys like Andre DeGrasse and stuff, just absolute pros at their craft and how huge has that been in, in your development as a runner on top of everything that's already happened to you? Um, For me, like the, the funny thing is that whole dynamic of like this four by one team, it's like a, it's, it's like a, let me see, like a funny thing to, Hmm. Okay. So I can't, I can't come up with nothing funny for what it is, but like, it's, it's, it's such a weird dynamic, right? You have four guys that come together that don't train together, don't really talk, 
over the like uh, throughout the year like that but we all know each other we're from the same country we race against each other all the time we're competing with each other on paper so it's it's a, it's a weird dynamic so um i remember in 19 i went to worlds you know i was running just as fast as everybody else there you know in training i look way better than all the other alternates over there and they didn't let me run yeah like they 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 looked at me and said like well they didn't the people on the team like the guys that ran on the team before me like Andre Aaron all of them they basically said like he looks good we don't trust him wow it's a big trust thing mm-hmm. like can I trust you that you're not gonna run away from the mark can I trust you that you're gonna get to me in time you know it's not like I wasn't fast they just didn't trust me you know so. It was one of these things where I had to earn my keep. And like no leg is no leg on the track is given to anyone. You have to earn it because if you really look at it, um the head coach of Team Canada right now, he was a part of the team that won gold in ninety-six and gold in ninety-seven. So, you know, it's and I run where he used to run. So he was all saying like, oh, like you're not good until you run faster than what I've run or run faster than Andre run back there. So it's just like, you know what? Like I have to earn my spot. So the whole dynamic of that thing is like when it comes together, it comes together. But it's one of these things where we trust each other so much now because we've been around each other so long. We've we've gone through a lot together, you know, from me being a new person in Tokyo. is, And I think that's that's the one thing as well that also messed with me a lot because in Japan, it wasn't, there was so much pressure on me to perform because one, I'm the new guy in the team. And there's like other people there who, you know, who've, I don't know, ran fast too. So they're saying, why, why am I running? Why don't they put the team like this? And especially when they posted a team, listen, man, Canadian fans, they love you until stuff don't go the way they want it to go. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, man, I remember there's people posting stuff on Twitter saying, like, why are they running Jerome? Like, like he's new. Like, like why are you putting him on the – because there's really four events in track and field that everybody, like, like the, it's like the world stop and they watch them, which 100-meter finals is number one, followed by the 4 by one Then the 4 by 4 and now the mixed 4 by 4 Those are the two main events where – I mean, the four main events where everybody, you know, it's like the world stops and everybody focuses on that. So I was like – you know, in the situation, I was like, shit, like, it, it's it's going to be a tough one. But, yeah. Cool. That is really cool. What uh, what was that feeling like of, obviously, it's not in, in an individual event yet for you, but what was that feeling like getting getting a medal um, in the Olympics? Describe that. And just especially thinking about all the people that helped you get to where you're at now. Obviously, you're still very much chasing that that ultimate goal. But – what was that feeling like all that hard work to get to that, that main stage, like everyone stopped and saw you win a medal for your country. It was cool, but you know, ultimately like the, the thing is I ain't never really celebrated like that because there's so much more that I want and there's so much more out there for me to, you know, achieve. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I love the fact that, you know, there's not that many people, can say they have an Olympic medal. There's a lot of people can say I went to the Olympics, but not a lot of them can say I have a medal. 
you know, I'm lucky enough to to get one. So I'm not, I'll never, you know, say, you know, I'm ungrateful for the one I have because, you know, I, I love the fact that I have an Olympic medal, brother. Like I can, you know, that's something I can, you know, put on my, my resume or whatever, but it feels cool to have it, but it's almost like it's not the end goal, you know, there's so much more there. So it's just like, it feels great to have it, but that's, that's about it. That's all I can really say because I just, I just want so much more for myself and, you know, the medal is just, just a medal. Awesome. Yeah. No, and a lot more is coming your way for sure. Um, what would you say, just kind of wrapping up here with a few more questions, two more questions here. What would you say to Kelowna athletes that or young athletes anywhere that have this big goal, whatever, that are in the position that you were in? What would you say basically to the, to the younger version of you um, as they're starting to develop and have these dreams and goals that are, that are larger than life? The, the, the thing is with, you know, a lot of people always say dream, being a dreamer is not, is not a good thing, but I, I think it is, you know, you have to, if you really want something bad enough, you have to be obsessed with what you want. Like you can't, you can't just be, you can't, you can't be halfway in and halfway out. You have to be obsessed with it so bad. Like you, you think about it all the time, even though you can't see it for yourself when you think about it. Like there's times, like I, I can't tell, even tell you the amount of times where I've ran nine, eight and nineteen seven in my head. I haven't done it yet. I mean, I've ran nineteen eight, but I haven't, I haven't done the, what I want to go for yet. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's just in my head. You have to be very obsessed with it. Find some good friends, find people who you can call at two, three in the morning and they'll pick up your phone call. Those are the kind of friends you need. You don't need nobody else. If you have those kind of friends, they'll ride with you till the wheels fall off what you're trying to do. And they'll believe in you enough to tell you when you're wrong, when you're right. Like right now, like I got two friends and, and a bunch of acquaintances, but my acquaintances are still close because they're people that I can rely on for stuff. But I got two really diehard people that I can call at any time of the night and they'll pick up. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Um, before I ask this last question here, I just want to take a second and commend you, Jerome. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Like you're putting it on for Kelowna, for Canada, for all of us. And I, I really do believe that all the things that you're you're seeing in your mind, nine eight, all that sort of stuff, it's going to come to fruition. Uh, and you definitely don't need people like me to 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 say keep going, but um, it's going to be huge for the community and everything. And I'm excited to to give back with you one day once it gets to that point. Um, yeah, for sure, man. So the name of the podcast is called the Make It Happen Podcast. When you hear "Make It Happen," making it happen, and obviously that's just kind of your life. What what does that mean to you when you hear that? You know, making it happen you know, is just believing in yourself, believing you, you know, believing the goals and the dreams you have for yourself. Just believe in that, trust it, and work hard towards it. That's, that's it. That's all you have to do. Just believe in it and just work towards it. That's hard. You know, just don't give up on it. Just just work as hard as you can towards it. Love it. Sweet. And there you guys go. There is Jerome Blake, incredible guy. He's got a long, plentiful career just beginning for him now, rooting for him. Go, go check him out on Instagram, Jerome Blake and Instagram. He is, uh, he's, he's going to do special things, and it's really cool to see another athlete make it from Kelowna. Um, and I just want to, again, thank you guys so much for all the support. You can go check out 
some of my other interviews. I'm doing another podcast. I recently was just on The Burn with Ben Newman, so that was awesome. But just continue to give me feedback, please. I would really, really appreciate it. And I just want to make this the best possible listen I can for you guys. And I think uh, it's just been incredible. You guys are the ones that keep me going. I love these DMs of, of hearing your stories and how how it's helped you so far with progressing towards an extraordinary quality of life, right? Because why live an ordinary life when you can live an extraordinary one? With that being said, everybody, make it happen. Out. <laughs>